Krishna has his own program of increasing uh, our longing to advance in devotional service. So uh, he wants to increase that. And for that reason, even the people that have gone past the point of unsteady practice that are are really coming, uh, are practicing, you would think that because they're offenseless, they should be tasting praying. We should see in them uh, ecstatic manifestations. Uh, we should see in them uh, uh, just being overwhelmed uh, in their advancement in spiritual life. Love should take them over. They should know who they are, where they are, what they're doing. I mean, they should just be madly and totally oblivious to everything in the world like Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally exhibited at uh, in the Gambira. He was he was like a madman in love looking, where's Radha? Or, why am I in separation of Krishna, taking on her mood? Why why can't I why can't I why can't I see Krishna? Uh, and so a madness, a transcendental madness, that much in love even for those that are without offenses, they may not exhibit those uh, symptoms. Uh, because, as they say, absent makes the heart grow fonder. And Krishna knows how to make our heart fully and absolutely fond of him in the best possible way. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. In all likelihood, if we're not tasting praying, we may still have to overcome anarthas. If we're not relishing the holy name, if we're not uh, overwhelmed with, with the prospect that's ahead of us, if we're not completely intrigued all the time with the depth of an understanding of the philosophy, then it most likely, because the majority of sadhikas who are experiencing this stage of unsteady practice, they're experiencing it due to offenses. It's good to know we're in good company. We're not alone in this. So that's a good thing. There's comfort in numbers. And there's also comfort in seeing those devotees who are advancing and are no longer encumbered by unsteady practice. That's also encouraging for us. It gives us some hope. And as we go forward, that hope becomes stronger and stronger and drives us to the point of offenseless devotional service. No offense, no operad. Always absorbed in, in, in being simply absolutely humbled to have the opportunity in our life. That's the next stage that we we become that overwhelmed, that humbled, that just to be here is the greatest fortune. So the cessation of operats comes in stages, five stages. I, <clears throat> Cessation of four kinds of anarthas and operads is of five types. So, four types of anarthas, pious anarthas, impious anarthas, material, operads. What are the main operads? Offenses to the holy name, the ten offenses. And then we can pick up 
some bad habits just from the rain cloud of devotional practice that we're pouring onto the creeper of our advancement. Other weeds will grow. Name, fame, profit, adoration, distinction. And those things need to be uprooted. So Vishwanath is saying here, okay, there's five, five stages of this removal of Anarthas. There's Sanskrit words here. We'll go for the English. I'm better at that. There's partial, pervasive, almost complete, complete and absolute. And there's Sanskrit equivalents. According to the logic, and we went over this, the village burned, the cloth is torn, as we start to destroy the Anarthas, it continues. The fire starts somewhere and it spreads throughout the village. The destruction of Anarthas is like that. You start ripping a cloth and then, you, then it's ripped all the way. But it's not separated instantaneously. So it's a gradual process. There's a gradual steps by step. Partial, pervasive, almost complete, complete and absolute. So we talked about last class, the major obstacle for us is operat. Aparad being the offenses to the holy name. And the cessation of those is not absolute until we're in Krishna's personal company. Even at the stage of praying, that's the complete stage. So those are the most difficult. And we were given the warning that if you if you're even if you attain the stage of praying, very advanced stage, if you attain that stage and you offend the devotee and a devotee at that stage, when you're that advanced, that you're falling in love with Krishna and you know how you're to serve him forever, and you are so foolish to offend his devotee, when you have that much going for you, it can be devastating. And who was once in uh, uh, a parental affection or even uh, conjugal affection with Krishna can, can simply become a servant. So... Oh, we can ask questions. Okay, sorry. Uh, isn't that even possible? I mean, is that some kind of like it might be preaching strategy of Vishwanathapur? Because I mean, I'm not qualified to comment on that. <laughs> how can you actually commit an offense? I mean, prema and being like kicked down to the legislative lower level. I think what the author's making the point of is this is a serious thing, Vaishnava Parad. And it's so dangerous that the worst of the worst can happen to you. But excluding Shobana Karma, which when some somebody in, in Prem has Prem, uh, then it's pretty much impossible for that advanced devotee to make an Vaishnava Parada, right? So if something like that But happens, we do have the example. There is like a gut's finger in it that pushed him or her to that. I think we're better to take the lesson on the other side. The lesson on the other side is if even you advance to the almost perfectional stage and you offend a devotee, it is so... Right. So, and, and if we look at that, and we accept that. 
if we say Vishwanath is not employing a strategy, let's take him for his word that he knows what he's talking about and he's not saying something just to scare us into, into being straight. Okay? Let's say that it actually is. How much, how much more do we as sadikas down here, down, down, way down here, need to guard against Vaishnava Aparad now? So, that's the point. He's re- by making that point here, when, he's, when we're winding up this third cloud back and we're talking about stepping from the Anista to Nista, because once we get to the fourth cloud bank, we're going to be talking about, about steady devotion and what those symptoms are and how those manifest. But here at the end, he's made such a, you know, s- this stern warning is being put forth. Um, there, has to, there has to be uh, some significance to it that will really help us. So as I say, let's always err on the side of caution. Avoid all Vaishnava Aparat at this stage and we won't carry it with us in any semblance to the next stage. And just also to understand that these, vi- these Aparats, these offenses to the holy name, stay with us all the way to praying. There's still the possibility that they can hamper our devotional service. That all the way up to there. So maybe we, you know, so there's still some, there's the possibility there that even, that you are not going to, it's not absolute, you're not absolutely free of the possibility of committing an offense until you're in Krishna's personal association. So, always remain trinata, peace, sunichena. We carry that full forward with us through the next stages very seriously. Is that okay? Yeah. So, what about the other stages? What about just those how, when do those retire? When do, when do the when do the results of regular karma, piety and impiety, re, retire? When do these five stages present? So. The cessation of, oh, we just went over that, only until we re- reach Krishna's feet. So, when do the other stages retire? Cessation of Duskritotha, Anarthas, created by our sinful activities, centering on ignorance and then going down from that. Okay, those five things. Uh, is almost complete after Bhajana Kriya, is complete at the appearance of Nista, and is absolute at the appearance of Asakti. So, when the devotee knows his spiritual position, when he fully knows what, you know, he's almost at, in praying Bhakti, Parabdha Karma is gone. Vishwanath doesn't even mention uh, Sukritotha because they're both coming from, from karma. So we can assume they're both the same. He doesn't need to mention them both. All right. Excuse me a minute. I've got to get this. So then we only have the other one, the fourth one, which is what about offenses from bhakti? How soon do those retire? Absolutely. That's what I'm worried about. That's all I, you know, absolute is the thing that I'm looking for. When are they completely out of the picture? So, the pious and impious ones are completely completely out of the picture at a sakti. So, 
We go through Nista, we go through Ruchi, and then Asakti. Asakti is that stage where we are starting to see where we, where we fit into the grand scheme of things in our, in our developing love for Krishna. How's that going to develop? That starts to be revealed to us at that stage. So what about the, the, the Anarthas that come from as a result of the good fortune of performing bhakti? Okay, when am I going to give up pride in my devotional service? When am I going to give up a sense of enjoying the fruits that come my way because I'm a devotee? When am I going to give up, you know, profit, adoration, distinction? When, when will those not hinder me anymore and I can really become totally humble? So, Vishwanath goes on to say, Cessation of Bhaktyutha Anartha, those Anarthas created from Bhakti, is partial, partial in Bhajana Kriya, complete at the stage of Nista, and absolute at the stage of Ruchi. So they're gone before, they're absolute at the stage of Ruchi, they're gone before those latent pious and impious reactions. We're talking absolute here, my friends. Absolute cessation of karma. It's not in the picture anymore. Absolute cessation of any aspirations coming from the fruits of being Krishna's devotee. You don't care what people think of you unless you know Krishna wants to think people in the public to think well of you so that you can preach to them and attract them to Krishna. If that's what Krishna wants, if that's what the guru instructed me to do is to bring Krishna's people to Krishna's feet and I have to be a famous person to do it, all right, I'll be famous. But I could care less. And I could walk away from that fame in a heartbeat. That's how those devotees are. They're, they're beyond it. They're beyond it. They're beyond any, any trying to enjoy in any way the fruits of their bhakti. That's completely gone for them at the stage of ruchi. As soon as the taste comes. So, profit and adoration and distinction are gone. We may not be able to detect it. Because Why? Well, because they may have a job to do. Their guru may have said, you do this, you go do this. Well, you cannot really preach effectively in a large way unless you're a famous person. That's just, that's just the way it is. So they may, what we would say, attain fame. They may get hundreds of thousands of dollars to do projects that will attract people to the services of Krishna and his devotees. They may become wonderful scholars, beautiful in every way. So many things may come to them. But they have no desire for it. They are truly just a postman. They're just delivering the message. And if, it, if they're delivering a million dollars, they don't expect that they're going to get a, you know, a finder's fee. So when they pull up in the truck from Publishers Clearinghouse and give you the prize of pure unalloyed devotion, they're not going to say, now, can you kick a little bit back to me? Well, actually they may. They may say, wow, Krishna's made... I've been the guru and Krishna has made my disciple a pure devotee. I wonder if they could bless me. So, if they took anything, it would be a blessing from somebody that Krishna made into his devotee.
All right. Moving on and closing out this section. Shastra says, Vishwanath continues, if the sun of the holy name arises even once, it destroys heaps of sin as the rising sun destroys oceans of darkness. Shastra also says a chandala can obtain the liberation from material bondage by even once hearing your name. From this Shastric evidence and the incident of Ajamil, someone may say that even a glimpse, a boss of the name, destroys all Anarthas along with ignorance and one attains the Lord directly. Which the Lord's devotee, therefore, the gradual cessation of Anarthas explained previously, does not apply. It is true that the Holy Name undoubtedly possesses such power. However, if the Holy Name, being displeased with offenders, does not manifest its power, this suggests the existence of Anarthas and sins. But the Yamadudas, the messengers of Yamaraj, are powerless to attack even such offenders for the Shastras say such offenders do not see yamas, news-bearing servants, even in dream. If the scriptural statement, an offender of the holy name cannot be saved even by yamas, I'm sorry, it says in, not if. In the scriptural statement, yama refers to that item of mystic power, but not to yamaraj. All right, let's walk through this. The son of the holy names come into our life. We're practicing devotional service, but we're not falling into ecstasy immediately. We're not uh, rolling on the ground. Uh, all the sattvic vobs, uh, uh, the hairs are not standing on end. I, I, I can talk coherently and you can understand what I'm saying. All this isn't coming, but I'm chanting the holy name. Well, but the scriptures say the holy name is powerful enough to immediately destroy all sins. Immediately. So what? Are, how do we reconcile this? So what's, what, what is the discrimination we need to understand that well, we know the scriptures aren't exaggerating and we know from the story of Ajamil it can happen in a heartbeat at the time of death even when you're saying the Lord's holy name, and not even addressing him directly. It's an abbas, a shadow of what we would call chanting Krishna's name, calling out the Lord's name, trying to get your son to your bedside. So how do we reconcile it? Because it all it says that if you chant the holy name once, you're not going to be even, you'll never even see the Yamadudas. So Vishwanath is saying here, if we're not experiencing praying from our chanting, there must be anartha. That's, what's, that's why we're not experiencing it. It's not that the power of the holy name is in any way incompetent. It's not that the statements in the Shastra are in any way an exaggeration. All these things are true. But somehow or other we ha are sitting at the stage of Anartha Nivriti. That explains it. We are at the stage of Anartha Nivriti. We have committed offenses and we're, we need to clear them. Those offenses could be from our sinful life, from our pious life. Well, that we know those can be obliterated in a heartbeat, right? Those are like instantaneous. I mean, Ajamil was still 
still having a, uh, what, what would be considered in Vedic society an illicit connection with a woman up to the very end of his life. So that was not an offense. I mean, it was, a, it was sinful, but the holy name immediately eradicated it. Instantaneously. Now in the commentary, what's brought out is, well, wait. Wasn't he calling Narayan all the time? Why didn't the um, the Vishnu Dudas arrive the first time he said Narayan? As soon as the as soon as there was a name giving ceremony, they should have just if uh, if he was truly not an offender to the holy name, there were no opera rods there, and he couldn't have had the other ones, the fourth one, because he'd never done any bhakti. So he wouldn't have offended bhakti because he never did any bhakti. So he wouldn't have any profit, adoration, and distinction from the good results of bhakti. So why, where were they? It doesn't make sense. If you can once chance the holy name and immediately the result comes, then he should he should have immediately jumped in the in the airplane of the Vishnu Dudas and off he went to Vaikuntha. Yes. Couldn't we say it's the independent nature of bhakti? Where we could if I could get that far. Oh. That's why they hold questions to the end of class generally. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you know. It's a good thing. Exactly as Goloka spoken. That the holy name is Krishna, isn't it? And what what is one of Krishna's many characteristics? He's fully independent. He can work, he works in his own, according to his own time frame. So, in the story of Ajameel, he decided the time frame would be at the time of death. Well, so there you go. Simple. Scriptures are, st- the scriptural provisions are all kept intact and everything makes sense. So, in this verse, Vishwanath Chakravarti tries to harmonize the gradual secession of Anarthas and also Aparaja included there. Remember that the, you know, that's, uh, that it's just a matter of terminology uh, with the glories of the holy name. So have we done that? Everybody good with that? That they're harmonized? It can work? There's not any trickery here? There's just some magical mystery? You know, Krishna has his own magical mystery implementation of transcendence. commentary goes on his prose how do we understand how can we get our our mind around what's going on with us at this stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya how does it work we see devotees come we see devotees go. We see devotees go up. We see devotees fall down. Except for a small percentage of very advanced devotees, there seems to always be this up and down, this in and out, this strong practice, weak practice. How are we to understand that? 
This is why when we look at this wonderful literature, Madhurya Kadamani, it's so important to us. Vishwanath is taking the time to get into the details in a way that we can understand the psychology of advancement. If we can understand it, we can work ourselves through it. I've never been to uh, on a couch myself. Uh, but I'm sure that it has to be something like that. Of course, there's a difference here. This is transcendent psychology. So you have Krishna's pure devotee personally counseling you in what is truly important to you as a spirit soul. So he goes on and explains What's what? Why? What is what's actually happening? What's happening with these ups and downs? And he uses this analogy: If a wealthy master, capable of punishment and grace, does not take proper care of a servant who offends him, but rather neglects that servant, then his servant has to suffer. Suffer distress, poverty, and sadness. So we have a wealthy master. He has a servant, but he doesn't take care of his servant. Because the servant offends him. Didn't bring him his lunch on time. Not once or twice. Every single day it's late. Can't prepare his clothing. Doesn't know how to wash his clothing neglectfully does what he's supposed to do as his servant. I mean, the, the laundry list is how long? How many ways can we, you know, offend our master? So how many ways can we offend the holy name? Can we offend, you know, the devotees? How many, the deities, the, the spiritual master, the scriptures? We have a lot of, you know, we can, we can offend pretty easily. So the master can be offended. And those offenses are at the stage. And it's natural. They, most devotees commit them of a Nartha Nivriti. So when we become offensive, if we had a master, well, he'd neglect us. Well, just could you not don't come to the to the royal palace today i don't need your services today so then what happens then the servant has to suffer distress poverty and sadness i can't even you know i used to be eat, i used to eat off the, the master's plate after he was done now I'm lucky if I can get some scraps that are thrown out in the garbage from the kitchen because he's being neglectful towards me. No one ever takes care of a person unrelated to him. If an offensive servant against, again serves his master according to the master's liking, then by his master's mercy, distress and poverty gradually go away. Similarly, by sincerely serving the devotees, Shastra, and Guru, by their mercy, Anarthas or sins are gradually destroyed. There should thus be no conflict about this statement. If someone says, I am offenseless, I have never committed an offense, then the answer is, a tree can be known by its fruits. If we are so foolish to say, well, I've never done anything wrong. So, I should be tasting the holy name, the sweetness of the holy name. I should be immersed in, in the and in, in, in tasting prem bhakti. I'm offenseless. What's going on here? Okay. Vishwanath say, well, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of your offenselessness? 
It's not on the tree of devote of your tree of devotion, is it? You're not tasting the sweetness of the holy name. You're not completely immersed in in, in devotional ecstasy. Your hairs are not standing on end. You're not crying continually in separation from Krishna. Well, if that's not happening, then don't be so foolish as to say you're offenseless. It's basically is what Vishwanath is saying. <coughs> if by repeated chanting the symptoms of Prem do not appear, then one should presume the existence of offenses committed recently or long before. Shastra says, even by repeated chanting, if tears of Prem do not fall from the eyes, the hairs on the body do not stand erect and the heart does not melt, then certainly one's heart is made of iron. I know it's bitter medicine. But it's good to know what's going on. And I don't think it's a bad thing. We should know that holy name is so powerful that if we're not completely relishing this chanting, this association, this service, then there has to be some offense on our part. And therefore, it, it humbles us to know that that there's there's some serious work to do here, but I I can't trace out the offense. I don't know when I did it. I think I'm doing the best I can, but still it's not coming. A lot of you are younger, but even even just being around for a few years, we see devotees do come and go. And we can we see this played out very practical, practically as we observe this. They're a little unsteady, they go away, they lose the taste for the holy name. They don't want to chant anymore. They quit chanting. They try to take up their material life again and unfortunately, Krishna, they're unsuccessful. They just are. He doesn't let him do it. Or maybe he does for some time. Maybe for a lifetime. Oh, wow, he left and became a millionaire. I do have some god brothers that that happened to. But at the end of life, they start showing up again. We had one just a couple festivals ago. Nice sannyasi in his early years. And now he, you know, he, he drives a fancy car and is a millionaire. And in some advertising business, I think. Nice devotee, but something was there. Some offense was there. I mean, we, we'd like to say, oh, it happened by chance. No. These things aren't by chance. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't tell you that. If we're driven away, it's because we become offensive. And just like a master will push away an offensive servant, devotees can be pushed away for some time. But they never, ever fully are subjected again to the normal rules of material existence. It looks like it but they'll never see Yamaraj. That's an amazing benefit of, of once having some desire to serve Krishna sincerely. And the explanation is given as follows. 
When you have a fever, you can't eat. There's no desire to eat. The higher the fever, the less the desire to eat. Somebody's like really, really, they just, it's enough to get them to, can you drink some water? They're just, you know, they're completely consumed. But gradually as the fever comes down, the desire to eat comes again. But still, it's hard for them to get nourishment out of their eating, even as, as the fever's going down. So similarly it is with our offense. Our serious offenses to Krishna's devotees, to the spiritual master, to the holy name, if we commit these offenses and they interfere with our devotional practice during the stage of unsteady, the Sanista Bhajana Kriya, or even we fall down from a more advanced stage, from Ruchi, Asakti, Prem, Judd Bharat became a deer. Oh, I know you want to say it was just, you know, special arrangement. Okay, we accept that. But it's there in the Bhagavatam for a purpose. To teach us. That even at Prame, watch out for material affection. No, and you want to see, you know, of course the Shastras, once we get deeper, they say, well, you know, Judd Bharat, he was used as an example. Chotahari Das was used as an example. Okay. But the example was still there, wasn't it? There's a reason the example was made. An example was made of them. And I often think of that of some of my god brothers. After my spiritual master left, they jumped on the asanas of big guru and then they ended up falling flat on their face within a very short time. Well, was that a rope? I don't know. Huh? What, what is that karma? What is that? Shobana. Was that Sobana? Probably not. Why not? They're much more advanced than I'll ever be. These were the great stalwarts of, of, of Prabhupada's mission. Yes, but I remember a comment my spirit, Srila Prabhupada said about his godbrothers. Were they all useless? So, there's so much to think about. We have to dive so deeply into this understanding. And yes, the guru is going to say whatever's going to, you know, we need to learn a lot. And not everything is going to be revealed immediately. But I will not argue with your guru. <laughs> he is also my guru. But the example's there. Examples are made for a purpose. As the fever goes down, over time a fever does abate. So even you see devotees fall away, they may fall away for a lifetime, maybe even more, you know, and then they come back, you don't, you know. And sometimes uh, you'll notice devotees will walk in the door of, of, a, of, of a mission of Krishna consciousness and it's like within a week, it's like they were never anywhere else. They just came in off the street, but all of a all of a sudden they they're learning verses like you know it's just, it's amazing. So the fever abates, and we take shelter again of Krishna's devotees, of the Guru, of the Holy Name, and gradually we are we can be saved from our offenses. So it happens, but does anybody really want to suffer that much to, to separate ourselves? 
Wouldn't it be better to learn what Vishwanath is saying here? To know that I have a fever, that I, uh, I'm losing my taste for the holy name? I've got to really look at what's going on here. What's going on in my devotional service? Now, in the very beginning, the taste will come and go just as a matter of course. But progressing as we go on, if the taste is waning, then maybe we need to reapply ourselves. We need some counseling of older devotees. We want to see, we want to see that, 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 that enthusiasm. As, as Rupa Goswami says, Utsahan nischaya daryat tat karma pavartanat. Enthusiasm, patience, confidence is there that we're, we're advancing in the process, that we're not losing our taste, that we're not developing mentalities that are contrary to progressive devotional service. And it's a difficult thing. It's, we're talking, this is... This is not just some, you know, uh, what do they say that in the pan? Flat, flash in the pan or... Fly by night. Yeah, it's just not, this is real, this is the real thing we're going after. This is, this is the serious work of the jiva to end totally material existence to end material existence and enter into spiritual life in a real way, in a way that's so selfless that we don't care if we're still in the material world. We, you take these sadhus, you hear some, you know, the great devotees and the way they talk, it doesn't, do you think that they care about the fact that they still are here? They're so absorbed in Krishna, it doesn't even affect them. Material existence. Not an amnajanamna sundarim kavitram vajagadishakama. Janmani, janmani. I don't care. I'll be born a hundred lifetimes. Doesn't matter. I just want to serve Krishna. I'm so in love. His name is so sweet. His form, just to hear about him, just to serve his devotees and see the enthusiasm in their face and their continence and the way they work and live. and, and That's all. That's all I want. That's that's sufficient for me. So when that when that starts to fall away, we take shelter of the devotees. We we take shelter of the holy name. We pray, please, whatever I'm doing wrong, you correct this. Show me the way. I, I don't. I can't. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to be cooked, kicked to the curb because I'm just being foolish unattentive I'm losing you know whatever I don't want that I don't want to go for a month I don't want to go for a day I don't want to go for a second from the shelter of, of this devotion that I'm trying to build for you but we must observe we must observe intelligently both in our life we must observe what Krishna is showing it showing us in the community of Vaishnavas who may be may be they're being used as examples and maybe they're actually committing offenses and falling away whatever it they're 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 still my gurus they're teaching me by staying and they're teaching me by going and I am subordinate to all of them those that are coming, those that are going, those that are that are just being used by Krishna's examples, and those that are actually having difficulty in coming and going. Doesn't matter. I'm subordinate to all of them. I'm learning from all of them. I worship all their feet. That they've ever come, even come once and bowed before Krishna. I'm here by their grace. That's the mentality I need. So the fever goes down. Devotee returns. Any questions? Yes. This is kind of like a which came first, chicken and egg. So it might not be pertinent. But these anarthas, do they go away because you enter the other stage? Or is it because you're in that stage that they go away? 
You're like, do you s stop having those anarchists and therefore it ushers in the next stage of devotional practice? Or is it because you have entered that devotional practice then that those anarchists go away? I would say that for all except aparads, which is the serious stuff, I would say that those coming from piety, impiety, and bhakti are falling away as we're advancing as a natural consequence because the holy name alone can just dissipate them. Uh, as for the aparads, as we work, as we make sure that our chanting is free of aparads, then we can advance. So we need to be ever mindful of obeying the orders of the spiritual master, not offending devotees, not having a misconception about the holy name. Those things we continually work on as we chant. And they that proper conceptual orientation fuels our advancement. That's why I like to say, I think sometimes we, you know, we take the morality thing and we put that above the bhakti thing. Oh, I have to become moral. I have to worry about not being a sinner. No, you worry about being a pure chanter and you won't be a sinner. Don't worry about the sinning. Worry about the chanting. Don't worry about being judged. Judge, don't judge yourself day in and day out because of the fact that you still have material hang-ups. Don't beat yourself to death because you still have lust or anger or, or whatever it is that's there as a consequence of being in this pool of this material cesspool since time immemorial. That's going to fall away as we advance. Worry about chanting purely. Worry about not offending devotees. Worry about having the proper understanding of the philosophy. Worry about those ten offenses and, and not committing those while we're chanting. That's what, we, that's what we should concern ourselves with. The other things will happen more automatically. You're not going to be able to conquer lust. You can surrender so much to Guru and Krishna that they will burn the lust out of you. Does that answer? Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.